morning. Welcome to Chamber Chatter on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. My name is Mark Snyder, and we are coming to you today via Zoom technology. I mean, where would, where would we be without it, right? <laughs> Chamber Chatter is a monthly roundtable discussion with today's Long Island business leaders and has been underwritten by MapTunes, Long Island Chamber Maps. Let me introduce my three guests this morning, Steve Warshaw president of the Gold Coast Business Association, who, by the way, somehow eluded me all these years. So I'm glad that, uh, Steve, that I discovered your organization and that we could have you on the program today. Glad to be here. Ian Danby, chairman of the Long Beach Chamber of Commerce, and Steve Wicks, president of the Floral Park Chamber of Commerce. Gentlemen, welcome back to the program. Good morning or good afternoon. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Good morning. I don't know where it is in Long Beach, but it's nine o'clock Friday morning where we are. <laughs> I know Long Beach is another world. Anyway. Oh, completely out of the world, yes. <laughs> so we have one representative from the North Shore, one from Center Island, and one from the South Shore communities of Nassau County. Um, Steve, like I said, welcome to Chamber Chatter. Steve Warshaw for the first time. Thank you. Um, an awful lot has changed in the last five months. Uh, heck, uh, just in the last couple of weeks alone, we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this tropical storm. Just want to touch on that, that ravaged Long Island on August 4th. Uh, homes and businesses were without power for up to two weeks. Steve Warshaw, the Gold Coast Business Association, uh, represents many communities along the North Shore. You've got Glenhead, uh, Seacliff, uh, who am I leaving out? Glenwood Landing, Greenvale, a little bit of Roslyn, Locust Valley, and of course, Glen Cove. Okay, so how was your, com the communities affected by Tropical Storm Esaias? You know, it's funny. Um, um, they, were, they were pretty more effective than you would have thought. It was a fast moving storm. Um, it left a lot of trees down. You can never predict what the trees that'll come down are. I think where the power company fell down was not in their ability to repair it quickly, was what was in their ability to communicate what they were doing and allowing people to communicate to them what, what, what situation that they were in. And that's the frustration everybody has, the not knowing. It's, it's kind of like when you're delivering a package. It's okay if it's late, as long as you tell the person it's coming late, it's coming the next day. There was, not, there was none of that. On top of the fact that I think the power company forgot that they're really in two businesses. They're in business number one, which is delivering, which is actually business number two, delivering um, and, and servicing their power lines and power to both commercial and, and residential customers. And, and their number one business, which is disaster recovery. I mean, they should be working on disaster recovery every minute of every day, 365 days a year, because there's always something going down. It's all well and good until the power goes out, and that's when everybody starts to freak out. We still have people down here, um, and again, this is being recorded earlier, so I'm, I'm you know, talking to you about a week earlier, but, but we still have people down five days after the storm. It's, it's unconscionable, that they ha and they haven't even been told what's going on. Um, there's a way better way to handle it, I'm sure. There are smarter people than me who, who can address that, who live that life. But, you know, for the power company to, to not act like they're not caring, it's kind of unconscionable. And I know the, the politicians are all over this, so we'll yeah. see what happens. And I, I also heard 
from our Senator Gorin that, um, uh, and this is, this, I, I'll take this as fact because he told me personally, is, is important, that when LIPA signed the contract with PSENG, there was no kind of service level agreement slash accountability built into that contract. So, I mean, uh, how do you even hold them accountable and or find them? Um, but, you know, my suggestion when I called them was, why don't you um, uh, not find them, but ask them to start spending that money on burying the line? It's going to take years and years to do that. And they're not going to be able That's to do that. It's a decades-long project. It's yeah. a long project, but they need to start that. At least somebody needs to think about it. Right. Um, we can't go through this every time there's a can't. storm. You can't. I mean, I, I, I'm out looking for a generator now because I don't trust that it's, it's not going to happen. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. So anyway, I, I yeah. talked enough, but that, that's my Ian? story. Ian, 2012, Superstorm Sandy wasn't that long ago. Um, how did Long Beach make out this time? Well, this, uh, this event was a completely different event. Um, as we approached it, everybody's looking at the timeline of the tide because uh, Superstorm Sandy happened about nine o'clock at night and we had a high tide. High tide uh, this last, was it Monday or Tuesday that came through? It, the high tide was again like 9.39 in the evening. However, the storm came through very quickly at uh, around three o'clock, which was low tide. Um, also, it didn't bring a lot of rain. Right. And it went very quickly past us. It was a major, ra uh, major wind event for us. So around town, a lot of trees down, a lot of pavements up. Um, uh, the crews clearing the trees did a very good job very quickly, but uh, I'll kind of echo what Steve was saying. I'm not sure where PSE&G was to get the power back on, because even today I've got traffic lights out in the middle of town. Um, I'm sure there's people, I don't know the exact number of people that are without power, but uh, we couldn't go shopping at the supermarkets uh, over the weekend because they didn't have any power, so all the perishables were gone. So. Um, I actually went out during the storm, and I, those winds were probably as strong, if not stronger, than some that we had with Superstorm Sandy. But luckily, no water damage. Um, I'm sure some of the really low-lying canal areas had a little bit of flooding, but nothing that, uh, nothing that caused the damage that Sandy did. And, you know, PSE&G, they, they were really good at communicating with us prior to the storm. Yes, we're ready, and we're going to be there. But hello, we're, we're Monday, uh, and there's traffic lights that are still out uh, in town. So something's got to happen somewhere there. Yeah. Steve Wicks, um, as I've told you, my wife is from Floral Park. Uh, back in 1987, there was a twister that ripped through the neighborhood just north of Covert Avenue by Sawanica High School, where she lived. It did a tremendous amount of damage. I mean, massive 50-year-old trees were toppled. They crushed cars, destroyed houses, uh, pulled up sidewalks uh, everywhere you looked. That was 33 years ago. Um, how did Floral Park make out this time? Well, you know Floral Park very well. And uh, there's still lots of massive trees uh, that make Floral Park Floral Park. Uh, that's why people love the, the, the town, uh, because it's... It's very green. Yeah. And uh, in the residential areas, uh, there was a lot of damage, a lot of trees down, power lines ripped down, concrete ripped up, 
luckily in the business districts, uh, it wasn't too much damage. And uh, the biggest uh, difficulty the businesses had was uh, with internet connection. So processing credit cards, that was a little bit of an issue. Uh, I, I even had went into a butter cookie bakery the same day and they had to take my uh, credit card information on pen and paper. So there was a few days where I feel like that was uh, more of the impact for the, for the businesses, but uh, in the res residential sides, uh, they were, you know, they struggled uh, some, some areas, five days, four days without power. Wow. Um, so everybody took a hit, it seems, um, but hopefully uh, COVID-19 is enough of a hit for our businesses. I hope this doesn't impact it any worse. Um, let's talk about the communities you all represent. Um, as I mentioned at the open, I specifically chose these three organizations uh, to be with us today. They represent three sections of Nassau County, North Shore, Middle Island, South Shore. Uh, Steve Warshaw, first time on the program. What do you want our listeners to, uh, to know about the Gold Coast Business Association? The association is, what we promote is, is um, buy local. We try to promote local buying of products and services rather than driving to a Home Depot, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, use the local hardware store as an example. Use one of the local vendors. It's easier to get to. They're faster. They're more serviceable. They're more servicing. Um, I think a lot of the chambers do the same thing. Um, we also uh, encourage working with our other sister chambers that are right next to us. Um, we have a, um, a common uh, goal in, in pro promoting mask use with um, three of the other chambers, one of them being the Glen Cove Chamber and the North Shore Hispanic Chamber and the Glen Cove did. Um, we work with them a lot. But, um, you know, we've got about 150 members out there. Um, they are very um, intense. They're very um, pro-North Shore, if you will. Uh, we, we don't have any malls in our area. It's all made up of small shops, small restaurants, uh, small businesses. Uh, and a lot of the people who, who own these businesses live in the community. So there's a lot of pride. Um, uh, that's it in a nutshell. Um, and we try and we try and help everybody that we can. We try and, and be a voice of uh, not a voice of reason, but a voice of um, a voice for them in not just the community, but with the local politicians and legislators and getting things done and getting information. We passed out a lot of financial information during this crisis because we're still not having meetings. Uh, we do Zoom meetings like this. So um, and we just started that. Because no one know, no one knew where it was going until at least until now where things might might not end up and how long it'll take. I still think it'll take it'll be a while before it's all clears. Like it, right. just like it was a hundred hundred years ago. It's the same thing. It's it might be the low tech mass that saves us all. Who knows? Um, so that's that's in a nutshell what the Gold Coast Business Association is about. We're there for the community. We're there for the businesses. And um, we are um, trying to help everybody do whatever they need to stay in business and go to business. Steve, you, you mentioned to me that you recently uh, went through a name change. Uh, what was the original name of the organization and why the name change? The name was changed from uh, the Glenhead Glenwood Business Association, which it was for four, almost 40 years to the Gold Coast Business Association. We wanted to be more inclusive of some of the other communities like Glen Cove, Seacliff, Locust Valley, Roslyn that are in the area 
that, uh, and, and it worked. We managed to get a lot more members join because uh, they felt like it was more inclusive. The name, you know, explained more about what, who they are and where they are rather than just being, you know, perception is reality, if you will. So, so if, if, if everybody perceives it to be Glenhead and Glenwood Landing, they're going to stay away. But now it's Gold Coast, so it covers more neighborhoods and more, more communities. So that seemed to work. And everybody seemed to like it. And, and we had everybody vote on it anyway. So we were all on the same, on the same page. I like the name. I thought, I thought it was a good idea. And somehow changing the name helped me to find you. So I'm really happy. It really works, <laughs> right? Uh, uh, Ian, uh, Long Beach is a vibrant summertime community. Um, how has the pandemic changed your summer of 2020? Well, me personally, it's changed just like everybody else. Um, uh, it's devastating for business. Absolutely devastating. Um, you know, we're, we're, a, we're a resort community. We, the beach is everything. There are many, many businesses that rely on not just beach traffic, but the time of year and the weather to make their money. Um, you know, the, the, the people who are actually at the beach started to make a little bit of money, but then the city decided that it was uh, the social distancing rules were not being adhered to. And I must say, one weekend, Jones Beach had closed at 8 a.m. in the morning, and my beach here in Long Beach was so busy that you could not walk into the water without becoming two feet away from somebody if you stayed within the swimming area. That was when they made the decision to only let um, Long Beach residents and existing pass holders on the beach. The, they, they stopped selling um, non-resident passes on the weekends, so Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, so those poor businesses that were already just trying to recoup, um, all of a sudden, now every weekend, when they expect the big business, they're not getting the big business at all. I mean, the, the, you know, I'm, I'm tossed between the two. I, I want to stay safe. Um, it's very nice having a beach that you can go to and feel safe at. Um, but at the same time, you know, being the president of the chamber, I'm trying to support the businesses and uh, it's, it's very, very hard. We, uh, we've come up with a plan that we're trying to get the city behind to do an advertising campaign for Monday through Thursday to let, uh, basically out of town is no, it's a great time to come to the beach. There's nobody here during the week. Um, come visit, come to the restaurants. Um, so we're going to be pushing that out this week, at least with the chamber, even if the city uh, uh, drags their feet on it. Um, it's, you know, we're at a time where we have a, a city that um, is lacking in money. We don't have any money for anything. So there's a lot of negativity towards the city. At the same time, I see their efforts to really try hard to uh, work with the chamber on things. Um, uh, we managed to have them not charge any money to the restaurants to put chairs and tables out on the sidewalk. They still had to go through a permit uh, issue. But, you know, um, it, it's just very, very hard for everybody. And like I said, these businesses that rely on the summer months to make their money, uh, I don't know how many of them are going to stay in business. Wow. Sounds uh, like a real um, challenge for uh, a great resort community um, on the South Shore. 
Steve Wicks, uh, how about the summer of 2020 in Floral Park? Yeah, to, to echo off of uh, Ian a little bit, you know, Floral Park is a is kind of a destination in, in Central Long Island where it's a, a place where you can come hang out, uh, especially along Tulip Avenue and Covert Avenue. It's uh, very inviting uh, for people to, you know, come sit at a restaurant um, and hang out. And um, obviously the, the big challenges are that we have three main districts. We have uh, Tulip Avenue, Covert Avenue, and, and Jericho Turnpike. And uh, we've been able to work very closely with uh, the village administrators and our mayor to make Tulip work pretty well because we have excess parking and uh, we've been able to use some of the back areas of some of the restaurants to find outdoor seating. <laughs> but uh, there, there hasn't been any uh, space to put anything in the front of the restaurants on Tulip Avenue. Uh, same goes for Jericho uh, and Covert. There's some restaurants that can only fit like, maybe two tables outside. Right. And so now you're in the middle of August and it's 90 degrees outside and not, not everybody wants to sit outside either. So, you know, those are, those are you know, the, the big issues with, uh, with the dining districts. And, you know, everyone's just trying to, you know, kind of make it through the abyss. And, and obviously takeout has been, uh, you know, where most restaurants and eateries have had to push strong to try to make up some of the ground and then you know there's uh there's also now the regulations with uh the alcohol consumption where you know a lot of you know especially tulip avenue it's uh it's a it's a hangout spot where people like to congregate and you know have a drink and um and it's you know it's just getting harder and harder for businesses to 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 keep patrons and 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 have them, you know, come back repeatedly, right? Because that's that's kind of what some a lot of these businesses rely on too. It's a tremendous challenge. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about it when we come back. More on um, the reopening of businesses and also the schools here on Long Island. And we're actually going to have some fun. We're going to play Genie in a Bottle with our guests, two of them, for the second time, and we're going to find out what wishes uh, they have for their Chamber of Commerce. This is Chamber Chatter on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. Welcome back to Chamber Chatter on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. I'm Mark Snyder. Chamber Chatter is a monthly roundtable discussion with today's Long Island business leaders. And it's been underwritten by MapTunes, Long Island Chamber Maps, and by the MapTunes Shoppers Discount app. With over 2,500 discounts island-wide, you can download the MapTunes app. That's M-A-P-T-O-O-N-S or you can visit shoppersdiscountcard.com. My three guests with me today, Steve Warshaw, president of the Gold Coast Business Association, Ian Danby, he's the chairman of the Long Beach Chamber of Commerce, and Steve Wicks, who is the president of the Floral Park Chamber of Commerce. Uh, I had mentioned that we were gonna discuss the reopening of schools on Long Island. Uh, I'm gonna throw it out here for some dialogue, but I wanna start with you, uh, Ian Danby. Um, 
what are your thoughts or what were the chamber's thoughts? What is the board of directors thoughts for that matter on the reopening of the Long Beach School District, which is just a couple of weeks away? Well, I'd love to give you a really good answer to that, but uh, we have not had um, that question come up at our board meeting. What I have found is that all the board members that have children are so busy trying to organize their lives, figure out what they're going to do, um, that they haven't even been able to attend the board meetings. So that, that, <laughs> that's one thing. Um, you know, I personally do not have any children in the, uh, the school district. Um, so I'm not as close as it uh, perhaps as some of the others. But I will say this, um, I believe that many people will be getting groups together and privately hiring tutors and sticking to their groups with a family, uh, with a couple of families that all, all stay together. I think that's going to be whatever uh, around the world. I think that's what everybody's going so to do. So you're suggesting, Ian, opting out of public school and hiring private tutors? I think many people will, yes. Um, I, again, there's such a, uh, a difference between the people who can afford to do that and the people who cannot afford True. to do that. People who cannot afford to do that, uh, they don't have too many choices. Um, it's, it's extremely hard. You want to have the education, but you don't, you, you also want to have safety, um, and health. So, uh, I, I certainly don't, uh, relish the, the, the job of the school chancellors and the, the people making the decisions about what should happen. Very, very difficult indeed. Mm. Um, you know, uh, for me, it's health and safety is first. That has to be paramount. Um, and we face the consequences when we when it when it when on the other side of things, uh, it affects business and it, it affects life uh, in general. But look, we we managed to hunker down for three months, pretty much the first two inside, not going anywhere. And New York State in general is much better off than the rest of the country right now. Um, hopefully, it's going to stay that way, and hopefully, it'll get better. Uh, the school system. I wish I could help you more. I don't, I don't want to have to make that decision myself. Let's talk to Steve Warshaw. Steve, uh, your thoughts on reopening schools on Long Island's Gold Coast? I echo Ian's thoughts. Health and safety first. Um, uh, they did it right here in New York State. The rest of the country thought it was a New York problem, didn't want to listen, and now look. So, so do I think we should go back? I, my board hasn't really given an opinion like Ian's. Um, Although I kind of have an idea that some people want the schools to open. Some people thought this wasn't going to last long, all that. But the reality is you can't serve lemonade out in the front lawn when the house is still on fire. You'll be in the way of the firemen. Um, health and safety first, period, end of story. That's why I haven't had meetings. And I probably won't till sometime next year. When, school, when the New York City school system tends to close, and they don't close in a hurricane, they don't close in, in, in a snowstorm, they, they don't close for anything. They're closed. Um, um, and a lot of other school systems close. You've got half the colleges out there that are doing remote learning. You've got private schools doing remote learning. I mean, and schools are known to be a Petri dish. They just are, end of story. So why would you want to put your, your kids in that scenario and have them bring back something to grandma who could be living with you or yourself? Yeah. So no, I don't believe schools sh should open for another six months to a year. And I know that sounds really harsh, but you know what? Had everybody gone under for six months, 
I mean, really under and stayed under, we'd be coming out of it now all over the country, but nobody wanted to listen. We'd have, killed, we'd have killed the virus. And it's true, we've spent, uh, uh, this state has done a masterful job of flattening the curve. The fear is uh, jumping back into it in September. Uh, Steve Wicks, uh, what about the Floor Park School District reopening in the next couple of weeks? Sure, well, uh, again, just kind of echoing off of the, the guys here. Um, listen, it's a, it's a mixed bag. Um, I'll tell you a couple quick pieces where it affects me personally is uh, my wife works on the front lines as a nurse practitioner at uh, North Shore Hospital. Uh, and I, during this downtime, ended up going back to school to get my master's. So where, of course, um, and I work in the health and fitness field as well. So, of course, health and safety is by far number one. Uh, you know, positive news is that here in New York locally, we're doing a great job um, so that we can slowly start to test things and experiment what we could, you know, move forward with. Um, in going back to school and taking some science courses, there's some things you just can't learn at home. Um, science lab, for example, you need to be in a, in a setting for that. Um, now, <clears throat> my business has been, you know, very challenged where they're not even talking about gyms and health clubs. And that's a whole nother conversation, but, uh, the kids still need it. And I've, I, I was actually solicited to work with, uh, some kids for this fall. Um, because I work with a lot of kids in general, I work with the hockey league in, in Flow Park. So I have a pretty good network there, but, um, just like Ian was saying, you know, some parents are going to look to outsource, uh, some of these services, uh, arts, uh, maybe some sciences, uh, you know, physical activity. It's all things that, you know, kids need and kids need structure. And sometimes they, they also need other people rather than um, their parents or uh, or the Zoom world. You know, I mean, there's, there's great things about the Zoom world, but we need, you know, there needs to be some in-person touches, I, I feel. Yeah. As long as it can be done safely. I, and I agree with you on that. All right, guys, thank you. Uh, we're going to lighten things up a little bit. We'll have a little bit of fun. Uh, we're going to play Genie in a Bottle, and that's where we find out your three wishes for your business organization. Uh, Steve Warshaw, president of the Gold Coast Business Association. Uh, let's paint a picture here. Let's say you're at Tappan Beach in Seacliff. You see a magic lantern in the sand. You open it up, and a genie pops out, granting you three wishes for your business association. What are they? Well, right now... I want right everybody. Now. I want everybody to be healthy and healthy. I just want everybody to be healthy. First item number one. Uh, second wish. I want. Um, well, like every every um, business association, we want more members to join. There's more members in the area that 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 don't don't know about us. That want them to find out about us. And I want them to join. And I wrote down the third one, and it would be everybody who is having problems can come back to where they were before, uh, quote unquote, the aliens landed and COVID started, so to speak. But aliens landing is probably the only thing that hasn't happened to us on Long Island yet or anywhere. That's a great wish, by the way. Very well put. Right. That everybody returns to where they were on March 15th. Exactly. Actually, it was March. Actually, you want to know something strange? It was it was it was 
to make it even more lighthearted, March 13th was the actual day, I believe, everybody started to think we might go under. March 13th was Friday the 13th. Yeah, that's true. Back was that that's how I remember it. And it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ian, you were on our program um, over a year ago. And when we asked you for your wishes, you gave us the following. Oh, you're going to bring them back up. <laughs> Number one, I want to I see where we're at. Okay. Number one, you wanted a number one. You wanted a professional grant writer to join the board. Any luck? No. <laughs> uh, having said that, having said that, I got somebody who's very close to being a professional grant writer with a lot of experience. Ian, explain to our listeners the purpose of a of a grant writer. Why you why that was your number one wish? Well, number one because uh, we're not a huge. Uh, Chamber of Commerce, and we rely solely on the events and the membership to bring in the money that uh, that supports us. Um, and as the membership goes down or fluctuates, I should say, um, it would be nice to be able to take advantage of some of the economic grants that are out there that are sometimes made available. And to do that properly, you really need somebody who's good at writing a grant. Uh, and, and most of it actually is the follow through. So it's actually writing the grant and doing the follow through paperwork that's extremely important. And then you could, you know, it would be great for me to be able to say, here I've got PPE for every one of my members. I'm going to go and deliver it. I have the board of the chamber just deliver it to every chamber member packets of PPE and um, be able to support in that way. But you need money to do that. And we, we would really like to have a grant to get that money. I thought that was a great wish. And listen, I fully recognize that COVID-19 has thrown a wrench into all of your wishes. And Steve Wicks, we're going to get to yours from last year, too. Um, Ian, one more thing you had wanted that was important. You wanted the chamber to get younger. Did you uh, make any progress with that, bringing in some younger business owners? Um, I don't think so. No, I think it's mainly based on who is out there, who is uh, actually starting the businesses up. Um, the only younger people that I've seen so far opening up are opening up bars and restaurants. Um, and uh, it's a very different breed of business person, I find, that owns a bar and restaurant. Often they own quite a few different ones. Um, yes. Uh, I do have uh, three different uh, wishes this year, though, um, okay. if you'll allow me to say those. Uh, I think my number one would be for the community in general to recognize the relevance of the Chamber of Commerce. And if they did, I think that um, if they could recognize the advocacy we do, all this stuff that unfortunately is uh, the thankless jobs um, and the time that's put in, that, and then, then I think if the community recognized it a little bit more than the businesses would, and we'd get a bigger membership for that. Um, Number two is I want a vaccine uh, for this. And number three is those grant writers again. So, um. <laughs> okay. Very good. Thank you. Uh, Steve Wicks, Floral Park, you were on the program almost a year of the day. Seems like it was just like six months ago, but when I looked it up, yeah. wow. Um, here's what you were wishing for back then. I don't know if you remember. Number one, you wanted more active volunteers in the chamber, more worker bees. Mm -hmm. How'd you do with that? Uh, we did okay. We did okay. Um, I would say uh, almost uh, as, as Ian said, part of it is I, I don't, I, I still don't think the masses know 
the amount of work that we put in. And I made it a point in the directory that we put together this year that it was going out and was the only reason why we didn't hire you, Mark, from MapTunes, but we'll be back. Um, you know, I wanted to make it a point that we, that we really educate the community on the things that we do, supporting the schools. Uh, I mean, in the past, we, we actually went to the schools and, uh, you know, did, did some business advisory with some of the kids. And, um, and then, of course, beautification is a big thing that, you know, we take a lot of pride in. And I don't think uh, most, uh, most of the community know where, where the flowers come from. They're like, oh, they're pretty. Right, that's true. Uh, so that's, and, th and those are just small examples. So, uh, listen, I mean, everybody who's involved with the Chambers of Commerce is know, you know, what, what they do and the amount of work that it takes to, you know, put even these meetings together and, and get um, guest speakers and educators to come into the meetings. Uh, meanwhile, we, we still have our professional lives and family lives that uh, we have to sometimes prioritize, right? Absolutely. Um, your second um, wish, this is very interesting because in a paradoxical way, it actually happened. You wanted to revitalize Floral Park, specifically more outdoor dining. Well, you got that. Yeah. <laughs> Why, yes, um, I mean, didn't want it to happen this way, uh, of course, but uh, I, I thought I did, that was one of, my, one of my wishes I did put down, and I couldn't remember if, I, if it was what I said on the show. But yeah, for us, um, you know, it's, it's, it's what people wanted, and, and it's, it's um, something that, you know, adds another element to, you know, the experience of dining out, and uh, even just our, the community as a whole. Hmm. So... You know, my my only wish this time is that we can keep some of it permanent. And obviously, the logistics are going to have to come into play whether or not we can, you know, keep some of the parking spots we took up. And um, but it's you know it's it's been a good thing. It's uh, people have been coming out and filling up the restaurants outdoors. And uh, you know, again, to Ian's point, let's hope we have a vaccine so that uh, we can enjoy both indoor and outdoor. True. All right. Good job, gentlemen. When we come back, uh, we're going to do something we call Ask a Leader. And uh, this is where I stop asking the questions and I'm going to let each one of you take the mic. Uh, you're listening to Chamber Chatter on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. Okay, we're back. I'm Mark Snyder, and this is Chamber Chatter on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. Chamber Chatter is a monthly roundtable discussion with today's Long Island business leaders, and once again has been underwritten by MapTunes, the Long Island Chamber Maps. Here are my three leaders today. Steve Warshaw, president of the Gold Coast Business Association. Ian Danby, chairman of the great Long Beach Chamber of Commerce and Stephen Wicks, president of the Floral Park Chamber of Commerce. Now, prior to coming on the air, I asked each of my three guests to think of something they'd like to ask our community leaders that are here with us today. Um, Steve Warshaw, uh, any questions for one or both of our chamber presidents that are appearing on the program? Just how, how do you encourage your board members 
well, it's, it's a two-part question. How do you encourage members to join the board? Do you have anything, any special, any special formula for that other than the obvious? And, and once they're on the board, how do you encourage them to join committees and then participate um, willingly in some of those com committees to do things? Um, it usually ends up being, and you probably see this, where you, know, you might have 10 people and three people are doing all the work. In, in many cases. So I wanted your thoughts on that, your ideas. Um, Can I chime in here for one second? Uh, having worked with the Long Beach Chamber, Ian, you have the luxury of a very uh, big board of directors and a lot of uh, people that are working very hard for your community. Stephen Wicks, I think you have the contrary, a smaller group of people that are rolling up their sleeves and taking on most of the challenges. So you can get two different perspectives here, Steve Warshaw. Um, who wants to go first? I'll go first. So um, we have a we have a membership of uh, of 180 and a board of 10. Okay. And um, think about how you got involved and how you were introduced into becoming a board member and then eventually you know kind of working your way up. And I think that now more than ever you just have to make people feel like they're like they're needed and they're very important. And you just have to kind of coach them up, um, you know, ask them questions. Hey, what would, what would be a good solution for this? Oh, I love that. Could you help me with it? And just kind of, you got to find ways to rope them in because yeah, I, I'm not saying it's easy because I have just, just as much of a, of a challenge, but um, you know, there'll be, there'll be someone who stands out or just, you know, maybe shows up to all the meetings and it might be that person that you can kind of get to, you know, put another, you know, put their second foot in, in full time to participating and, and helping. So, and if you could find something that you, like, if you see, maybe it's the type of business that they're in, you know, and there's, and there's a need for the chamber, you know, uh, or personality trait, I don't know, but, um, you know, you just gotta, just gotta coach them up, coach them up. Steven, Steven, don't you find that you can almost tell immediately like who's going to run it up the flagpole and who's like, you know, who's going to really get involved and those that are just going to kind of sit back. Don't, don't you find you can spot them almost immediately? You pretty much can. Yeah. I think, uh, I think a lot of the times uh, you tend to get, uh, I think, I think it's, I think it's twofold. You get people who are very vocal and that, that, that way, you know, and then it's also just behavior. Like I said, uh, if it's just, they're, they're, they're showing up and they're active. Um, they might not do a lot, but if they show up, that's a good sign. Um, and, and, and look, not every board, home, uh, board, board member has to be a home run hitter, but if they can help out and do, you know, some simple stuff, uh, we need to, I think we all can agree that we need as much, as much help and as many hands as we can. Ian, what about you with that massive board of directors? Well, we have, uh, 13 people on the board, but, uh, I will say we're not much different than everybody else. Um, it's a small handful of people that do the work. I will say that you need to delegate specifically things that people are good at to those people and ask them and make them responsible and uh, try not to micromanage too much. Part of the stuff, my problem was I micromanage. You have to be prepared to let go and let them make mistakes. Um, the other thing I would say is make it fun. You know, we're a chamber of commerce. My goodness, if you had... If you ask 10 people from across the country 
show me a picture of the Chamber of Commerce and you get a, a, a bunch of uh, older people standing around in suits, right? Is that, that's the image. But if you can put the image and make that image a little bit different, uh, you know, we have our, our meetings at restaurants and sometimes it's just hang, hanging out at the bar um, that we'll have the meeting. So uh, I'm not saying become a drunken society, but um, certainly you have to have some fun and, uh, and introduce the board members all the time to all the people because it's not who you know, it's who they know and it's who that other person knows. So the more you can get involved socially uh, or get the, the board members involved socially, I think you'll find that if, they see, if somebody comes to a meeting and they see you guys having fun and that you're mixing together, I think that you'll get more board members. Hey, Ian, the reason I said uh, you have a large board is in, in doing my research for this uh, program, I counted 18 people listed on your website as on the board of directors. Did you lose a few? Um, quite possibly. I'll have to look at the website since that's what I do. <laughs> is I on the website? Um, I'll have to 18, see you. 17 or 18, yeah, which I thought was a, a ample-sized board of directors. You know, when somebody steps up and says they'll do something, I try to make sure that they get thank you for it and uh, advertise them on the website too because everybody likes to see their name up there. Okay, cool. Um, let's come back to you, Ian. Um, I know we did this with you last year, but uh, today you've got uh, two different guests. Uh, any questions for the leaders with us today? Yeah, I would like to know um, when you're talking to either new members or existing members, what is the greatest benefit that your organization offers to them? What's the greatest thing? What's the, what's the reason why people want to join? I, I usually tell a member that um, we're, we're a little bit, we like to consider ourselves, as you said earlier, a, a more fun group than some of the other chambers in, in the area. We, um, we, uh, we, we don't hold to every um, um, convention. We try and make our meetings a little bit more interesting. Everybody gets a chance to talk. Um, we, we, we don't, we, we, we're just a little more fun. So, uh, and, come, and come to a meeting, check us out. And uh, that usually works. Um, and what, what is the point? Like, like somebody says, well, why should I join? What do you do? What do you do for the... Oh, in, in addition to that, we, we talk about all the normal things. We, we advocate for you. Uh, we help you network with other businesses in the area. You should get to know. I mean, one way to know, just to know what's going on in the area, not just politically, but with your other businesses and your counterparts and your colleagues and similar businesses is to meet them and to be in a, in a room together with them. Well, when, when we can meet in a room, things get back right. to normal. And um, that usually works. If someone, if, so, if someone has a preconceived notion of what we are and still has that after we join, then we have problems. But if, you, if, if, you, if the expectations are set and met properly, it's usually a long-term relationship that, that we have with our members. And most of our members have been members for a very, a very long time. I find that new members initially think that by joining the chamber, the world's going to be the path to their door. Right. And then they realize that just because you join the chamber uh, doesn't mean you got it. That you that you can't that you need to just because you join the chamber doesn't mean you don't have to put in an effort. Right. It's one of the things you have to do to 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 be to to grow your business, but it's not the only thing. Plus, we have people in in business who are willing to answer questions and help other people 
just get through. I mean, you don't have to be in the same business for me to understand the value of marketing or the value of a good salesperson or the value of, uh, of, of, of accounting and all the other things that go along with that. And we do all the beautification things that a lot of the chambers do that are thankless in the area. <laughs> they don't find out about it, especially if somebody forgets to post something on Facebook or something. Yeah. Steven, did you want to add to that? Yeah. Just something really quickly. Um, is that the conversation is just, it, it could be twofold. I, I really find out where they're coming from because if they know Flow Park, we're an incorporated village, my conversation is going to be a little different. If they're from, let's say, another community or, or you know, are not familiar with Flow Park, well, then I have to kind of educate them on Flow Park and why it is such a great community for business. And then I, you know, and I start talking to them about, you know, the districts, of course, because the dis depending on where your business is, Things are a little different depending on where you are and, and just how, you know, the type of, you know, foot traffic that might, you know, come or the type of business activity that's going to be present. Um, so I think it's, um, you know, it's really just kind of assessing, you know, where they're, where they're coming in, coming in at. But I know that uh, when I have the conversations, I'm very energetic and very passionate about, um, you know, the community and, and the neighborhood. And for me, uh, it, it always sounds good because I grew up in the neighborhood. So I'm like, look, I'm one of the homegrown products of Flow Park. Um, so I try to make them most importantly feel connected and make them kind of have uh, a little bit of desire to, to grow. And like Steve was saying, uh, it's about participation. It's about activity. You know, nothing is nothing is going to fall into your lap. Uh, you know, you have to you have to meet people. And sometimes it's a couple connections uh, or a couple times of just being in the room with them. And then and then a conversation starts or. Or, you know, they know that you do a certain type of service and say, oh, actually, you know, I, you know, my brother-in-law actually is looking for somebody. So, um, yeah, tough. Uh, I think it's, it's sometimes we, we have to kind of spice up what we're, uh, what we're actually, what we're doing, but um, we just got to make it sound, you know, the best, the best that it can be, you know, it's, uh, but you're really packaging the, uh, the community. Right. Mm. Hey, listen, what I, what I have learned over the years is that the more time and energy the business owner puts into the chamber, the more they get out of it. Mm -hmm. I've had so many people say, I joined the chamber, I joined the business association and nothing happened. And I'd say, you able to go to the meetings? I don't have time for meetings. You do the street fair this year? Uh, no, I, I wasn't able to do that this year. Okay, so you're not doing anything except writing a check, but you expect somehow your business to increase in incrementally? You, you got to get out there. I mean, you know, this expression goes, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Mm -hmm. um, Stephen, back to you, by the way, a uh, question for one or both of our guests. Sure. Um, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to reuse this one because I used it last time, but I was uh, curious to see, do you guys use uh, video or YouTube uh, in any way to uh, promote the chambers or the businesses in, in, uh, in your communities? I'll go first. No, not yet. Um, the first iteration of video is this. Um, mm -hmm. it, it, it was hard enough to get this going. And, um, you know, in the beginning, we just pushed out a lot of emails with financial information. And then we decided, all right, it's time to have a Zoom meeting. Uh, and that was after Glenn Cove had their Zoom meeting because I wanted to see how it, I, I didn't want it to be a free-for-all because it can get out of control real fast, no matter what technology you use, go nuts. But it was very respectful. Everything was fine. Um, and I think people are, I think 
te technology-wise, this is in, this is um, uh, throwing the curve ahead. We've thrown ourselves ahead of the curve by almost maybe ten or fifteen years before this would have taken hold. I mean, I remember the World's Fair, and I'm just taking myself now back in the early '60s. There was the video. Oh, I thought you meant the 1938. No, World's no, not Fair, that no? one. Not that old. Thank you. Um, <laughs> where the video phone was oh, promised, yeah, was promised. And they had it, they just didn't have the bandwidth, and nobody really adapted it because people realized, I don't, I don't want to be seen on a screen. And then it became technologically difficult for the phone company until now. And then they have it, and then FaceTime comes out with Apple, and people use it if they have Apple or Skype. And they use it when they have to, when they're doing a video conference for a meeting. But not to the extent that this happened in the last four months. Now I think a lot of people are way more comfortable with, with videos both personally and, and I'm not talking about the younger crowd because they were always, I'm talking about the millennials. I'm talking about people our age. Um, I think many businesses are way more comfortable now than they used to be. So I think that could be a thing more and more, but before, hit, before this, I didn't see it much at all. Ian, you're in the internet business. Yep. First thing I did when uh, COVID happened was for the chamber, I bought a Zoom account. Uh, help him help him on to his billionairehood, but um, uh, we have probably a twenty percent increase in attendance on video uh, meetings than we do on personal face-to-face uh, uh, -face meetings, uh, on average as we've gone out. Um, but uh, to answer your question a little further, we have uh, partnered with the um, the city of Long Beach to put our logo into some of the ads, the TV ads that have been happening for Long Beach in general. So we're very lucky that we have a good relationship with the Economic Development Department of the city. Um, and also the secretary of our board is uh, the advertising agency that handles that. So, <laughs> um, you know, it's a who you know business, isn't it? Um, yeah. And uh, it's always good to recruit the people who are in the right places too. But yeah, so could we use it more? I, I don't know, we, uh, we, are, we're, we have a Facebook account a social media account, Instagram account. Um, I, I think all of the media that you can muster is is always good. Even bad news is good news. You know, just get exposure is good. Um, so yeah, video video is a good thing. I think uh, YouTube is the number two search engine next to Google on the internet. So well, you would you would know. Right. <laughs> All right, guys, we just have a couple of minutes here before we wrap up. I just want to give you each a chance to tell us 30 seconds or so about what you do when you're not running your organization. Uh, Steve, I know you're in Steve Warshaw. I know you're in real estate. Uh, tell us more about it. I'm a, a, an associate broker with Realty Connect. That's my day job. I uh, do residential and commercial real estate, mostly in Nassau County, uh, some in Queens and a little bit in Suffolk, but mostly in Nassau. And uh, the market is a seller's market right now, which means there's low inventory and most, most properties are going for at or above asking. Uh, and it's like yeah, ants on sugar. Uh, only one ant is walking away with that property. Um, who knows how long that'll last for? We all expected a buyer's market to come up at some point, but it's your, if I knew how to, how to predict that, I'd be doing something else. Um, I also <laughs> sit on the um, NASA uh, police commissioners, community council, 
And um, so I get to uh, participate in that a little bit, but um, most of my, most of my day, day work is, uh, is, is great. Ian, 30 seconds. What do you yep. do? Web development and web hosting, software programming, SEO. Um, so we've been doing it for about 20 years. We specialize in doing the more difficult stuff, the interactive, the e-commerce. I have a lot of other web designers who will come to us with their issues. We can host them and we, we're, we've been doing SEO for 20 years. You know, we used to put white writing on a white background when you could get away with it. <laughs> but uh, we'll get you to the top of the search engines. We help, we help businesses improve, which is, you know, hand in hand with the chamber. Uh, when they when they look good, we look good. So that's what we do. And Stephen Wicks, twenty seconds. I know you're going back to school. Yes, 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 yes. So um, I'm the owner of uh, One Sound Body. It's a one-on-one uh, fitness and nutrition company. So uh, we've been hit a little hard uh, with uh, the in-person stuff, but uh, made the uh, the switch to virtual, and it's been great because I've been able to spend more time at home, more time with my wife. Uh, so and uh, still keep people uh, focused on. Uh, the positive things of, you know, taking good care of their uh, health and, and mental well-being. Uh, so, yeah, when we get back in uh, to opening opening the doors, we can, uh, you know, we'll obviously uh, invite in as many people as we can, when we can. All right. Steve, Ian, Stephen, thank you for joining us. You've been listening to Chamber Chatter on 88.1 FM and WCWP.org. My name is Mark Snyder. Up next is Project Independence and you have a nice weekend.